بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on Nahj al-Balagha by Mizan Institute We will be beginning with sermon number two insha'Allah Ahmaduhu istitmaman linni'matihi واستسلاماً لعزته واستعصاماً من معصيته وأستعينه فاقة إلى كفايته إنه لا يضل من هداه ولا يئل من عاداه ولا يفتقر من كفاه فإنه أرجح ما وزن وأفضل ما خزن Before this khutbah begins, Sayyid al-Radi, the compiler of Najr al-Balagha, he explains how in the, this khutbah was delivered after the imam was returning from the battle of Safin, that famous battle um, that where the imam, he fought against the army of Sham, led by Muawiyah and the likes of Amr bin al-As and others. And there is a difference of opinion on whether or not this khutbah was actually delivered, this sermon was actually delivered after the battle of Safin. Now, it looks like the majority do believe so because a Sayyid, first of all, a Sayyid al-Radi uh, has, said, has, said, has said so. And also because um, there's no reason to not believe that this was delivered after Siffin. On the flip side though, and on the other hand, we have Ibn Abil Hadid, that famous commentator on Nahj al-Balagha. He says in his uh, commentary that he believes that this khutbah was delivered after the Imam became Khalifa. So after Uthman was assassinated uh, and Imam Ali became Khalifa, this might be the first sermon that he delivered, according to Ibn Abil Hadid. So there is a difference of opinion here. Um, personally, uh, I, I, I'm more inclined towards this being after the Battle of Safin. Um, and I have noticed that other commentators of Nahj al-Balagha have said the same thing. Um, but there is a little bit of a discussion I might uh, have, inshallah, at the end of this sermon when we get to it. And there we'll discuss, when we reach that last line, where the Imam speaks about how his right has returned, as the right, the haq, the truth, has gone to those who uh, it belongs to. And so over there, we'll have this discussion, because that's where Ibn Abil Hadid says that he believes that this khutbah was delivered after he became Khalifa. So that's where we'll have that discussion, inshallah. And uh, for now, I'll leave it at that, and we will assume that this khutbah was actually delivered, as Sayyid al-Radi has said, was delivered after the battle of Safin and as the Imam had returned, after he had returned from that battle. So the Imam begins. Now, after this battle, very, very big battle, and very significant and important battle that took place, you would think that the Imam, you know, he isn't going to be thinking about God too much right now. And he's probably all political and stuff. But he begins with Tawheed. And it's kind of as if he's indirectly reminding everybody that even if we are fighting the enemy, we're fighting for this Tawheed. And so he begins by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this praise is a praise that's mixed with gratitude and gratefulness for Allah and everything that Allah has done for him. So he begins, he says, Ahmaduhu istitmaman li he says, I am praising Allah, and with this praise, I am seeking that He completes His blessing upon us, of course. So sometimes you praise Allah, sometimes you praise Allah with this intention, or you praise Allah with this understanding, and that's why the Imam is verbalizing it here. 
He's saying, look, when I'm praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I understand that this praise has the potential to bring about more blessings for me. So this isn't going to be a normal praising. You know, some might have pointed out that this praise is also one that's mixed with gratitude because we all know that the Quran speaks about this, in shakartum, لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you thank me for what you have, you carry out what you're supposed to do out of gratitude towards my blessings, I will increase those blessings. So this is a, a, a praise that might be mixed with gratitude towards Allah or it can just mean praise in general. That I understand, Imam Ali is as if he's saying that I understand in general when you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you remember His greatness and immaculateness, that itself can be a reason for Allah's blessings to shower upon you more. Now, he begins with this praise and he goes on and, and he talks more about this praise of Allah that he has. We'll get to those details as well. So the next one was tislaman li'izzatihi. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he gives us blessings and he completes his blessings upon us, sometimes we'll forget that he was the one behind all of this, correct? So right away the imam is saying, I'm asking him, or this praise is, I'm, being, is do, I'm doing this praise seeking completion of his blessing, but at the same time, if his blessing is going to be completed on me, I don't want this blessing and this completed blessing to be a means of me becoming arrogant. But rather, I am praising him and I'm hoping that he completes his blessing upon, upon me and right away I am submitting to his glory. I am putting my hands up as if and saying, I have nothing from myself. It's all from him. It's all from Allah. This is all by the grace of Allah. Istislaman li'izzatihi, right after that. And one more thing, lots of times when people are blessed by God, instead of being thankful in, in, the, in the way uh, that you're, they're supposed to be by using the blessings Allah has given them for what Allah wants them to use them for, they use them for His disobedience, they sin with the blessing that Allah has given and completed upon them. So right away after that, it says, وَاسْتِعْصَامًا مِنْ مَعْصِيَتِهِ I if I'm, if I'm praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I want Him to complete His blessing, I want that blessing completed, but at the same time, I am seeking refuge in Allah from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَسْتَعِينُهُ فَاقَةً إِلَىٰ كِفَايَتِهِ I invoke His help being in need of His sufficiency. Okay, who does a person who needs help go to? Well, the one that can help them. The person who is in need of someone else is the one who is always invoking that person's help, right? Very simple. Oh Allah, I am invoking your help. Why? Because I'm in need of you. This uh, is echoing what the verses of the Quran say. For example, Ya ayyuhan nas, antumul fuqara'u ilallah, wallahu huwa al-ghaniyul hamid. Oh people, you are in total, absolute need towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is the, the one who is all sufficient, needless, and all praiseworthy. إِنَّهُ لَا يَضِلُّ مَنْ هَدَاهُ وَلَا يَئِلُ مَنْ عَدَاهُ وَلَا يَفْتَقِرُ مَنْ كَفَاهُ So why are you invoking Allah's help, being in need of His sufficiency, His kifayah as it's called? Because of three things. إِنَّهُ لَا يَضِلُّ مَنْ هَدَاهُ لَا يَئِلُ مَنْ عَدَاهُ لَا يَفْتَقِرُ مَنْ كَفَاهُ Because... He whom he guides does not go astray, one. He with whom he is hostile gets no protection, two. He who he supports does not remain needy, number three. 
Okay, three reasons why we are going to seek Allah's help for anything. Because the person that Allah asks help for, Allah either gives them guidance, or Allah is their friend, or Allah suffices them. These three. And a person who Allah gives guidance will not go astray, number one. And number two, a person who is friends with Allah, that means Allah is not their enemy. And if Allah is not their enemy, that means that they are protected because the one that Allah is hostile with, an enemy with, gets no protection. And number three, a person who Allah takes care of is not going to be needy anymore. Is, is going to be needless. لا يفتقر من كفاه. So, if we are dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we acknowledge our dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what that means is that we will be actually independent of all others. This doesn't mean that we don't live in a world of cause and effect, of course. We work with others, we work for others, others work for us. We just have to understand, have the right mentality that, look, at the end of the day, it's not like anyone is independent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah if, some, if Allah takes care of somebody, that person is going to be taken care of and will not be in need of anyone else. وَلَا يَفْتَقِرُ مَنْ This reminds you of the verse, the famous verse that says, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافٍ So here in the, in the sermon, it says, لَا يَفْتَقِرُ مَنْ كَفَاهُ comes from the same root of the word that's used in the verse of the Qur'an. That says, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافٍ عَبْدَهِ كَافٍ This kafin means sufficient. The verse is, a, is asking a rhetorical question. It's saying, is God not enough? Is God not sufficient enough for His servant? In other words, Allah takes care of His servant. Doesn't let him be needy of anyone else. And so from literature like this, one can conclude, if you really do what you're supposed to do, and you really put your trust in Allah, and you ask Him and ask Him and ask Him, Inshallah, He will take care of you such that you won't have to rely on others. Now, this does not rule out cases where a person has slacked off all their life. Now, after 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, they want to fix up their life. And they think that with the snap of a finger and a dua, things are going to get fixed. Not necessarily. We do live in a world of cause and effect. Sometimes there's oppression that takes place. There are people who trample other people's rights. And whether we like it or not, yeah, we find ourselves in a situation where we are in need of other, the help of others. But all in all, we do know that this is the rule. You do your best. Do what you need to do. Ask Allah. Keep in mind that He is on top of everything. The Qur'an is saying, Will Allah not take care of His servant? For it is the most preferable thing that can be weighed. And the greatest thing that can be set aside, like as if you are saving it for a rainy day, saving it for a time that you'll need it. Okay, let's go back now. The Imam said, I seek Allah's help because He's the All-Sufficient. He's the one who suffices. He's the one who's enough. Okay, so in this dunya, I will go to Him because one, the one who He guides, no one can misguide. The one who is his enemy will not have protection. I want his protection, so I'm going to be his friend. And I'm going to go to him for help. Number three, I go to help, help get help from him because he suffices the one that goes to him and will not be poor and need and needy the one who goes to him. All right, that's in the dunya. In the akhirah, 
also there's a good thing that comes out of all of this praise and all of this seeking his help. This hamd, this praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best thing to have on the day of judgment when they are weighing our deeds. And it's the greatest thing to have that you have set aside for yourself that you have kind of, let's say, invested for yourself in the hereafter. You've you've uh, planted the seed here and you reap the rewards and the fruits of it there. Okay, so this hamd of Allah and this isti'ana and seeking help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these are all going to affect our dunya and our akhirah together, both. Here the Imam, after praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he begins to testify that Allah is one, that Allah has no partner. Okay, what's so special about this? So far nothing special because this is something we all testify to. We all as Muslims believe in the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only Lord that we have, the only God, there is no God but Him. Okay, and that he has no partners. We can't ascribe any partners to them. Everyone accepts this, or else we're, polyth- we're polytheists, we're, we're, we're mushrik. So here the Imam, he says this line, but then he adds something that shows that, no, this is a special tawheed that, that the Imam has, that not everyone might enjoy. Not everyone has. And so before I get into that, I want to share with you that we have, when someone says, La ilaha illallah. La sharika lahu. This person is either going to be the type who is just verbalizing this, just saying this, just believing this, versus a person who acts upon this. A person who lives up to this belief. If Allah is the only God, if Allah is the one that we worship and the only one that we worship, that means that he's going to be the only one that we obey. He's going to be the only one that I listen to. When my nafs, when myself is pushing me towards carnal desires, but he says, stay away from this, stay away from that, I'm going to listen to him. So sometimes you have tawheed as a belief. Sometimes you have tawheed not just as a belief, but something that is deeply rooted in you because you live up to it with your actions. So that's one categorization of Tawheed, brothers and sisters. Sometimes I just believe in it. Sometimes I've acted upon it as well. It it has become something steadfast in me. Now, there's another categorization as well. Sometimes I say, La ilaha illallah. And I'm like, okay, there's no God but one God. Sometimes I say, La ilaha illallah. And I understand the core and essence and depth of this statement. When Imam Ali says, La ilaha illallah, it's different than when I say, La ilaha illallah. When, when Imam Ali says, La ilaha illallah, Imam Ali is the type who he understands what this line actually entails and encompasses. La ilaha illallah for him is La ilaha illallah for us on the Day of Judgment. There's a lot to talk about here. We don't have time for it. But we have to understand that we are on a journey in this life of awakening and enlightenment, of learning true tawheed, reaching a point where all we see in everything is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As that famous hadith says, 
by Imam Ali that I didn't see anything except I saw Allah with it, before it, after it, and so on. We want to reach that point. A lot of us, it seems, are going to reach that ultimate Tawheed on the Day of Judgment. There are some, though, in this life who have reached that ultimate Tawheed. And one of them, obviously, is going to be Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib So when he says, La ilaha illallah, he is saying it and he understands exactly what that means. He has access to the core of that, the meaning of that line. Versus a person like me, I will have a basic understanding, a flawed understanding. Practically, yeah, I, I know that he's one God, but practically like that doesn't show itself really when I, for example, go to the doctor. And that moment when I'm at the doctor and I'm ill and I'm in pain, I'm going to think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala isn't part of the equation of me getting better. I'm like, this doctor has my cure. That is not pure ultimate tawheed, brothers and sisters. Okay, so there's two categorizations here that I shared with you. Number one, sometimes I have a belief of la ilaha illallah. Sometimes my actions have also made this belief steadfast in my heart and soul. That's one. Number two, sometimes I say la ilaha illallah. I don't know exactly the ultimate meaning of this tawheed, the core and essence of this tawheed. I just know that, okay, there's one God that I have to listen to. That I have to worship and no one else deserves worship. That's one way of looking at it. Another la ilaha illallah, another person says la ilaha illallah. What they understand from it is that Allah has permeated everything. Allah is in everything, with everything, above everything. To the point that they have access to that meaning of la ilaha illallah that we might have access to on the day of judgment. Okay, so Imam Ali alayhi salam, question for you. Out of these two categorizations, which ones do you have? When you say La ilaha illallah, are you saying La ilaha illallah, which means that I'm a person who says La ilaha illallah just like all the other Muslims say La ilaha illallah? Or no, has your La ilaha illallah stood the test of time and the challenges that have come as a result of believing in this La ilaha illallah? Well, he's going to give us the answer in a minute. He says, Shahadatan if I am giving this shahada, this testimony, I'm testifying that there's only one God, this testimony is, is one that ha, that the, the ikhlas of it, the purity of it, has been put to the test. Mumtahanan. It has proven itself. Through practice, brothers and sisters, you all know better than me, probably listening to this podcast right now, how many merits Imam Ali has when it comes to how he has served Islam in the hardest moments. He slept in the place of the Prophet I mean, they were going to chop him up to pieces. He, in the battle of Ahzab, when Amr bin Abdawad jumped over the trench, we all know that story, right? And what he did, and it reached the point where Amr bin Abdiwad, he is taunting the Muslims. He's saying, look, why don't you, any of you, come and fight me one-on-one. If I kill you, you become shaheed and you go to Jannah, according to what you believe. And if you kill me, that's a great worship, that's a great service to Islam. No one stood up except Ali ibn Abi Talib, and eventually Imam Ali is the one who took him out. This is a tawheed, this is a la ilaha illallah that Ali ibn Abi Talib has that has proven itself in action. And so he points this out. 
He says, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ Yeah, everyone says that. But just letting you know, شَهَادَةً مُمْتَحَنًا إِخْلَاسُهَا It has been put to the test. They've put it as if, like these uh, metal or steel swords that they would put in those furnaces and bang on them and strike them with hammers and to make sure that the, all the impurities of that steel, of that metal, are removed from it. And then... Once again, put it in the furnace, put it in cold water again, furnace, until this this sword is so refined and so solid and strong that nothing can cut through it. As a matter of fact, it cuts through everything. Ali ibn Talib is saying, that's my shahada. That is my testimony of la ilaha illallah. Okay, so it's been put to the test. So out of that category that we had, the first category, I fall under, or excuse me, that first categorization, Imam Ali is telling us, I fall under the category of not just the ones who say La ilaha illallah, but the ones who have made La ilaha illallah part of them through action. The whole list of all those things that he has done in those moments of truth. And then he goes on. Remember, we had another categorization, brothers and sisters. There are some who will say La ilaha illallah, but that La ilaha illallah that they say, it's not something that they understand all of its implications. In other words, they have not really understood the core and essence of La ilaha illallah, but still they believe that there's no God but Allah, they're Muslim. Then there are some people who have access to that, they have reached that point where when they say La ilaha illallah, they know exactly what that means and how Allah is really the one who is encompassing everything in existence and has might and power over all things. That's another version of La ilaha illallah. Some have. So, Ya Ali, O Imam Ali, you told us that your Tawheed, your La ilaha illallah is the one that you have fulfilled the expectations of through your practice. But let us ask you this question, which one of these two do you have now? A normal La ilaha illallah that people have or a La ilaha illallah that you know the exact meaning of of and the implications of it? The essence and core of it, he says... This is so great. This is so awesome, brothers and sisters. He's saying, I I have belief in the core of this statement. In other words, I'm not that normal person out there that says, La ilaha illallah. But then, when you look at their life, it's just like, it's as if God isn't part of, I mean, they're not even if they're not committing sin, and they're obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but at the same time, it's not like, they see Allah in everything because they've understood what La ilaha illallah really means. He says, no, no, no. The core of La ilaha illallah and this testimony is what I have. So this is great because look, brothers and sisters, we have people who will have one of each of these two. right? And But they will be lacking the other, which is still a good accomplishment. That's not bad. We'll take it. But Imam Ali says, I have both. So for example, there will be some people who are very illiterate. They don't know La ilaha illallah properly they don't know how it how it reflects in every aspect of their life but at the same time there are people who with the basic la ilaha illallah they have they have practically lived up to the expectations of it they know god is one they know god is the one to listen to and they're and they are following suit they follow allah's commands so this in one way is very praiseworthy because out of those out of one of those two categorizations they got it right but the other categorization, do they have a deep tawheed? Not necessarily, they won't have a deep tawheed. The flip side also holds. There are some people 
who will be philosophers. They will understand some of the greatest implications and most sophisticated implications of La ilaha illallah, philosophically. But do they live up to the expectations of that? Not necessarily. They might be struggling in the practical aspect of things. And so as a result, this deep tawheed that they know in theory has not become part of them. It's not steadfast within their soul and heart. Imam Ali has both though. Imam Ali has both. And I would say out of these two, I'd rather be a person who doesn't even have the philosophy, but at least lives up to the basic understanding of La ilaha illallah, which is you know, obeying Allah and not worshipping anyone other than Him. The worst part of the case is if you know what La ilaha illallah means to a good extent and all of the philosophical and existential implications of it, but then you don't live up to it and you disobey God sometimes, that's actually very scary and dangerous. So out of these two, if I were to choose one, I would choose that one. And we have stories of people who were like, they were very simple Bedouins, simple farmers that were tested. They had tests that they went through in life. A haram would come up, but they would turn away from it because they would they were, they were wanted to live up to that basic understanding of la ilaha illallah that they had. And Allah rewarded them with some great ma'arif. Allah gave them knowledge of certain things that you can't even learn from the books. But then the flip side, you have there are people who are... The, highest of philosophers but then because they failed the practical test Allah took them to the lowest of the low we have stories of them in the Quran as well people that Allah gave certain knowledge but they turned away and as a result they went to the lowest of the low and Allah punished them for that so if you can, if you were to choose one that's what I would choose but Imam Ali here Alhamdulillah MashaAllah he has both he says I have this uh, this shahada that I say is one that is living up to whatever the full expectation and it is one that is deep it is not a basic la ilaha illallah natamassaku biha abadan ma abqana wa nadakhiruha li ahawil ma yalqana now this shahadat la ilaha illallah la sharika lah this deep la ilaha illallah that imam ali has he says it's very interesting he says we will cling to this shahada, this testimony of La ilaha illallah, forever till we live. Forever, as long as Allah keeps us alive. Abadan ma abqana. As long as Allah keeps us alive and we are alive, we're going to cling on to this. That is so cool. It just shows how important tawheed is. Ma yalqana. We're going to cling to it, number one. And number two, shall store it for facing the tribulations that overtake us. Look, brothers and sisters, who are we kidding? We've all heard of the questioning of the grave. And um, once again, we don't have time to talk about this. This is something that we have discussed in our uh, Death and Barzakh course. Over there, we talk about how the questioning of the grave, the only way you can get it right because it's a taqwini questioning, I don't want to get into that. It's not a normal questioning. It's a taqwini questioning according to our scholars. The only way you can answer those questions is if la ilaha illallah and wilayatullah has become part of you. And the only way it becomes part of you is if you have acted upon it in this life. How do I act upon it in this life? I obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With my actions, I am letting myself know, my soul know, Allah know that He's boss, He's the master. 
I am but a servant, I am but a slave of Allah, once I have instilled within me through my actions, throughout my life, that He is the Master and the most important one, it becomes part of me. It is instilled in me that He is my Lord. And then when the angels come to ask me questions in the grave and they say, Who is your Lord? That's when I can answer. Or else, if I said La ilaha illallah all throughout my life, but I didn't act upon it properly, then that means it hasn't become part of me and I won't be able to answer right away when they ask me questions and then they will have to quote-unquote remind me but their reminding of me isn't going to be just hey, just want to remind you you know, God is your Lord no, they're going to have to kind of beat me up for that and there's a whole explanation of why this has to happen we don't want to get into that right now but this is how important it is that we make la ilaha illallah part of us and that is what's going to help us in the questioning of the grave onwards not just that onwards even after that and so as a result it is very important this la ilaha illallah that is one that its ikhlas has been tested mumtahanan ikhlasuha that the imam said wa mu'taqadan musasuha this one he says i'm going to cling on to it because that's everything that is the currency after death in the barzakh in yawmul qiyamah for everything to the point that Imam Ali himself is saying, like, this is for, I'm going to cling on to this. I'm not letting this one go. And I'm going to store it. And I'm going to keep it for those horrors that are going to befall me. Most probably he's speaking about the questioning of the grave and other things. So if Imam Ali is telling us that this is what we should keep for our akhirah, for our barzakh, why not? Then why, why prioritize anything else? Brothers and sisters, let us try our best. Number one, to learn Tawheed as deep as it is, theoretically speaking. And then once we practice and live up to the expectations of such a Tawheed, Allah is going to give us such a nur that we can walk with on the Day of Judgment. The Quran says this, يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسْعَى نُورُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ Surah Hadid, verse number 12. The day you will see the faithful, men and women, with their light moving swiftly before them and on their right, and are greeted with the words, There is good news for you today, gardens with streams running in them, to remain in them forever. That is the great success. So these people, they have a light on the Day of Judgment that allows them to move in the direction they're supposed to. And there are other verses that speak about how there are those who don't have that light, and they are seeking such a light. They're begging for such a light, but of course it's not going to be given to them. Yes, brothers and sisters, La ilaha illallah that we take for granted is so important. It is the it is the cornerstone of our faith, as Imam Ali is going to say in the next part of the sermon that we're going to get to. He says that. It just it gets worrisome sometimes. Some of the things that you hear, I'll share one uh, story and... Um, and I don't mean anything bad about the brother that I'm speaking of. And I'm 110% sure that he's a wonderful brother and he has the right intentions. But there was a discussion we were having once and the brother, he said, Shia, we were speaking about the Shia versus non-Shia. And he said the core and main tenant and teaching of Shiism that sets us apart. Well, he didn't say that sets us apart part. He said, the core tenant of Shi'ism is Imam Hussein a.s. Well, when you say this, it's kind of implying that Tawheed is not 
the most important tenant. Now, my guess is that what the brother meant was when he said this, that what sets us apart from others probably is going to be something like that. But you can't word it like this. You'll It doesn't sound right. It sounds like Tawheed is not the main core tenant of Shi'ism. But something else is. No, and I brought this up to the brother. I said to him, listen brother, like, have you heard of Tawheed? Let's talk about Tawheed a little bit. And I, we spoke about it and he was fascinated. And I was surprised that he's fascinated. May Allah protect him and and uh, and all of us. He he was surprised that and he sat down and he said, tell me more. I was, I was kind of, as I said, I was surprised. But no, Shiism is no different than anything else. We, for us, the main core tenant of the faith is Tawheed. The Quran, these things, they have the highest position when it comes to our faith and our beliefs. Why do we say that? Because the Imams are saying that. He's saying, look, this La ilaha illallah that I have, I'm going to cling on to it. I need it. That's going to be my nur. That's going to be what's going to save me from the fears and horrors after death. And so this reminds me of the famous hadith by Imam al-Rida The famous hadith that's referred to as Silsilatul Dhahab. The golden chain hadith. Why? Because the Imam narrates from his father, who narrates from his father, who narrates from his father, all the way to Rasulullah. That, and he narrates from Jibra'il, that Jibra'il said, Allah says... So there's a whole chain here of just gold. All of them are ma'soom and infallibles that are mentioning this hadith to their sons and grandsons. That what? What is the hadith? What does Allah say? Kalimatu la ilaha illallah hisni faman dakhala hisni amina min adabi. That the word of la ilaha illallah, Imam al-Rida said, the word of la ilaha illallah. And word here doesn't mean something you just verbalize. Of course, it's a belief. The word of La ilaha illallah is my fortress, is my castle. That when you get into it, you are protected. From what? From my adab and punishment. La ilaha illallah is the core tenet of Shi'ism, just like it is in all, in all other denominations of the faith, of Islam. And so we have to make sure that we understand that because this is what the Imams are saying left and right. So Imam Ali alayhi salam, he is the embodiment of Tawheed. He is the one that is letting us know that I am the one who has the Tawheed that no one else has as if. That's why he says, this is also a famous saying by him, and I love this one. It says, If the veils go aside, and this is something to think about, if the veils go aside, and what he means by veils, of course, are not the physical veils. He means the veils that are not allowing one to see the metaphysical side. Those veils that will be lifted upon death for us, that the Quran says, "Kashafna anka we have removed the veils from your eyes. So now you're seeing things the way they really are. Those veils he's talking about. He says, If the veil goes aside for me, this is mind-blowing. My yaqeen and conviction in Allah, in all of the beliefs that I have, will not increase one bit. That is the yaqeen and tawheed and la ilaha illallah that Ali ibn Abi Talib has. Me as a Shia, this is my ultimate pride. That I can reach that tawheed. That tawheed that allows Imam Hussein in the hardest and harshest of moments to say, Oh Allah, whatever you want. رضا بردك تسليما لأمرك 
I'm submitted to you, whatever you want. This is what it's all about. I'm, I've been waiting for this moment. This is the ultimate satisfaction of you. Tawheed, brothers and sisters, Tawheed. فَإِنَّهَا عَزِيمَةُ الْإِيمَانِ وَفَاتِحَةُ الْإِحْسَانِ وَمَرْضَاتُ الرَّحْمَانِ وَمَدْحَرَةُ الشَّيْطَانِ Four things the Imam says here. Two of which I would say have to do with our lifetime. And two of which have to do with that which comes afterwards. Okay? If you remember, just a few minutes ago we said, the Imam, he says, I will cling on to this La ilaha illallah. As long as I'm alive, so in this life, it's going to have some benefit for us. And And I will also cling on to it and hold on to it and save it for the day that the fears and horrors are going to come my way, which is after death. So before death and after death, right? Now here in the, these four items that the Imam lists, Two of them, I want to say, have to do with before death, and two of them have to do with after death. He says, فَإِنَّهَا عَزِيمَةُ الْإِيمَانِ وَفَاتِحَةُ الْإِحْسَانِ These, this La ilaha illallah is the cornerstone of faith. Okay? So when I am a mu'min, I'm a Muslim in this life, there are a lot of things that will come as a result of that. Allah will be my kafi, meaning the one who will, will suffice me and will take care of me. It is the cornerstone of belief. Without it, I don't have belief. And if you're not a believer, in this life you will suffer in one way or another. And if I'm going to do good deeds, those good deeds are going to start the, after I have such a belief. If a person doesn't have this La ilaha illallah, brothers and sisters, the good that they do in this life before death is going to have no meaning. Yes, And so these are two things I would say that the Imam is saying this La ilaha illallah helps before death. After death, Mardatul Rahman wa Madharatul Shaytan. Why do I also cling on to it for after death? Why is it going to be my way out from the horrors and fears after death? Because that is the means of Allah's satisfaction, the Rahman, the All Beneficent. And it's also the means of repelling Shaytan and keeping him at bay. Brothers and sisters, if I or if we are going to have trouble after death, the reason for that is because either Allah is not happy with us or we have not repelled shaitan from us, right? So, the only time that I can, you know, leave this dunya without being worried about the fears of the hereafter is when I have mardatul rahman, that which, the means by which Allah's satisfaction comes to me, and I have that which turns shaitan away from me. And that will be La ilaha illallah. But not just any La ilaha illallah. The Imam is saying this La ilaha illallah that is mumtahanan ikhlasuha, that is mu'taqadan musasuha, that is the La ilaha illallah that is going to help me in all of these different stations. After all of this, the Imam moves on to speak about our Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Inshallah, we'll cover that in our next session. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank mm-hmm. you.